0: Hey, this is Daniel Minnick coming at you with another episode of Truth Espresso, particularly the Truth Espresso Express series. Well, if you haven't listened to another Truth Espresso Express that we did earlier, you might be wondering what exactly do I mean by the Express series? Well, this is a series of episodes that I have found time to record while I'm either commuting to or from work. And as you could hear, the GPS just went off telling me to take the next turn. And this episode, I am recording as I am commuting from work to home. Now, just recently, I had the privilege of being on uh, the Theology Throwdown with fellow podcasters in the Christian podcast community. And so I'd like to recommend that if you are listening to Truth Espresso, I would like to recommend that you listen to other great, excellent Christian podcasts in the Christian podcast community. There is The Rap Report. There is um, Voice of Reason Radio. There is uh, Grace and Truth. Um, uh, Trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, otherwise check them out at christianpodcastcommunity.org dot org or striving for eternity. But as I mentioned that I just did um, was on the uh, theology throwdown podcast with other podcasters, the topic had to do with music in the church. And I didn't say a whole lot. I did not participate as much as I would like to in that because I wasn't quite sure All that I could talk about on that topic, you know, I'm someone who, like, I want to say things that are very objective and very based on scripture. And I had a hard time thinking of uh, a lot to contribute to this other than uh, bare opinion. So right now I am getting ready to, um, I'm getting closer to head on the interstate to head back home. And that's what you heard from my GPS So, theology throwdown, uh, music in the church, Uh, what I did come prepared for was some things related to exclusive psalmody, if that was going to come up. I wasn't sure if any of our uh, Presbyterian members of the community uh, held to exclusive psalmody. And so, those were things that I came up with questions for. Now... Well, what is exclusive psalmody? Some Presbyterian churches, um, but not others, will hold to uh, this idea that only the psalms are allowed to be what's sung in worship in church. Most Presbyterian churches and a lot of uh, Baptists in what would be considered the Reformed tradition hold to what is called the regulative principle of worship. And this means that what we see in Scripture that is fit that is specifically instructed for worship in the church or what can be necessarily deduced from scripture is what God has ordained for worship for the congregation and nothing else. And from that, mostly in some Presbyterian churches, there might be some Baptist churches that might hold to this, but mostly it is a a debate found within the Presbyterian churches, the idea that the regulative principle of worship demands what is called exclusive psalmody. And that means that uh, when it comes to congregational singing, when it comes to singing as a part of worship in the church, that God has given us a song book a hymn book as it were in the words of the psalm so the 150 psalms and those alone must be what is sung in church and not alone that um, you can't write a song about how great God is and so even something like amazing grace <laughs> how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me would not be fit for worship in the church you know you should not sing that in the church because that is not the psalms and so with exclusive psalmody the idea is you take the psalms the songs that god has given us to sing uh, you take the words of the psalms you set those to music and that's what you sing in the church. Now, exclusive psalmody doesn't necessarily say that you can't sing things in your private life or listen to uh, music in your private life. Uh, that isn't the psalms. You know, that would be pretty you know, pretty overreaching there. But exclusive psalmody is all about, you know, with the regulative principle of worship, that which is appropriate for congregational worship on the Lord's Day. Now, I deeply respect that idea, but I don't hold to it. I deeply respect the idea of the regulative principle of worship, but I don't hold that the scriptures... Um, put us into that box of exclusive psalmody. And I have some, some reasons that I think that would hold true. That I don't think that the scriptures and I don't think that a regulative principle of worship demands that all you can do when it comes to singing in the church is to sing from the words of the psalms directly and set to music. Um, so, uh, what are some of these reasons? Well, you know, you'd think that if the regulative principle of worship demands that singing uh, to avoid heresy must be directly the words of the Psalms, then one would think that preaching would have to be directly the words of sermons recorded in Scripture, that you can only um, actually preach by reading the scriptures themselves but even possibly particularly only the portions of scriptures that are sermons that are preached you know God gave us a sermon book just like God gave us a song book and so you can only preach what was preached in the scriptures <laughs> um, now I no, no exclusive sum this holds to that and but I would say that that's one argument that if you're going to be consistent as a regulative principle of worship Worship, that the sermons would need to f- hold be held to the same standards as the songs um, another issue is that of translation like okay you know if we can only set the words of the Psalms to music wouldn't the nuance be that you can only set the original words to music, um, particularly Hebrew. Like we must sing only in Hebrew. If we're going to sing the words of the song, because that requires us to trust in the Mm -hmm. translation, that it is accurate enough that the words of the translation are perfectly faithful to the original Hebrew. Now I'm not trying to, uh, Say that you should lose faith in uh, the translation, you know. And I use the King James version. I know that King James Onlyus would definitely say that. Uh, well, there's no problem there, you know. But what I'm trying to say is that the nuance of translation. If if exclusive psalmody. Is a principle that you must sing only the words of the Psalms? Well, you know, shouldn't you sing only the words of the Hebrew, the original Hebrew of the Psalms? And that nuance of translation could break that principle of avoiding heresy or indirectly with the translation if the translation is not accurate enough to reflect the original Hebrew. What about instruments? Um, and this comes from a positive organ ordination regarding regulative principle, because the Psalms themselves will talk about singing praise to the Lord with um, harps and tan- tambourines and cymbals and so on. So if the Psalms you know, are in any way commanding us how we are to sing the Psalms, and they're telling us to use these particular instruments, are we not obeying God uh, by? not using those instruments when we sing the psalms. So that's another question to ponder when it comes to if exclusive psalmody is consistent or binding according to the regulative principle of worship. Now, what about the fact that uh, psalms specifically say sing to the Lord, sing praises to God? Um, The psalms themselves don't seem to say that you must sing me. (laughs) You must sing the words that I am saying here. Now, of course, a song, talking about singing songs, shouldn't that provide some liberality? You know, if a psalm is telling us, sing praises to God, why do we have to just sing the words, sing praises to God? Um, Do we really expect to believe that those psalms that say, Sing praises to God are directly referencing other psalms, and that you know, you'd think that exclusive psalmody would demand that consistency, otherwise, uh, the psalms themselves, with the words about singing praises to God, would seem to provide liberality. That with the words there, if you're praising God in the process. And so that's a question about that. The words of the psalms themselves, if we are following the words of the psalms about instruments and then about praises, um, wouldn't it be consistent that we'd either be free or that you'd have to say that every psalm that talks about singing praises to God would have to be uh, references to other psalms? And I don't think that's defensible. And now, uh, another challenge would be, what about uh, other passages of Scripture that seems to be uh, songs or, say, uh, poetic? Like, there's a lot of poetry that is not specifically in the 150 Psalms. Like, can we not sing other Scripture that's poetic? What about... uh, Poems from Isaiah, um, you know, other prophets, prophecies that seem to be poetic. Um, We can't sing from the Song of Solomon. Um, we can't sing songs that quote from other scriptures besides the Psalms. You know, I, I think that there's room to ask for consistencies here. If we're talking about avoiding heresy um, and the regulative principle of worship, I think it's an assumption on the part of exclusive Psalmists just to say, well, here is a collection of songs that you can only sing that, but what about other scriptures that are perfectly good for for uh, composing into music, and what about um, the song that the Israelites sang in Exodus chapter 15, where it talks about the uh, the horsemen? Um, and the rider you have cast in the sea, they're praising God for delivering them out of Egypt. Now, the song that they sang that's recorded right there is not specifically and directly one of the psalms. So if the Israelites could sing uh, the song in Exodus 15, why isn't the Christian in the church able to sing a psalm A song that's recorded elsewhere in Scripture if other if the Israelites could sing what was recorded in Exodus chapter 15 now that question will also go into um, a later question but let's ask the question now with exclusive psalmody we don't have the name Jesus Christ and think about it, the Psalms were written before all of the prophecies about Jesus were fulfilled. And I know that a lot of the Psalms are written uh, from the perspective of eschatology. And, um, you know, say Psalm 22 has uh, the Messiah being crucified at least uh by inference of uh, David talking about his trials, and it and it also is inspired as a prophecy for Jesus being crucified. But there is uh, what you could call a little bit of prophetic fog there, because you know the Israelites of Jesus Day couldn't, you know, were blinded to the fact that these uh, psalms were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. And yes, there is a lot of information about the Messiah there, but it's still from the fog of poetic uh, prophecy, and the Psalms are not complete in declaring that Messiah has now come, has now fulfilled scripture. you know, even if there's doctrine of the incarnation, doctrine of the deity of the Messiah that you can get out of the Psalms, the, you know, chronologically, there is uh, an incompleteness there. There's my GPS telling me that it's going to be time to get off the highway pretty soon and get on the main drag, headed to my house. Okay. So Um, now so it seems like there is a dearth of completeness um, when if it comes to just singing the psalms in church we can never sing about the glory of Jesus of Nazareth by name we can never sing a song in church the Christian church that's all about our um, incarnate uh, crucified and resurrected Lord who's now seated in the heavens and ruling and Raining from heaven, and uh, the Holy Spirit has come. We can never sing a song clearly that talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can never sing a song that actually mentions the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior who saved us. I I think that's a tough pill to swallow when it comes to the idea of exclusive psalmody. I think there's definitely a, a lack of being able to sing about what it means to be a Christian in the church age. Um, and so, you know, that I think that's one of the the biggest um, challenges or questions that I have for exclusive psalmody. And related to that is a question about uh, the Trinity. You know, we can never sing about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost with clarity as um, the revelation of the Messiah as uh, James White mentions it comes between the revelation of the Trinity comes uh, between the t- the Testaments as they're recorded so you know Peter was an experiential Trinitarian and so on um, you know the Holy Spirit speaks the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus and the Father says this is my beloved Son and whom I am well pleased and all this revelation that reveals the doctrine of the trinity but if we are only to sing from the psalms we can never sing about father son and holy spirit with clarity in the christian church and i think that that's that's kind of difficult for me to accept when it comes to the fact that christianity is all about the fact that messiah has come jesus is the fulfillment of these messianic prophecies and god has been fully revealed in jesus who is the image of the invisible god and you know you have the trinitarian passages and the holy spirit gives gifts as he as he desires as he wills and none of that is subject to any song in the christian church and now My final challenge is the fact that there are, just as the Israelites sang a song in Exodus chapter 15, um, we have the 24 elders singing a song in Revelation chapter 5, and I think it's verses 9 through 14, where they sing a new song praising the Lamb, you know, about worthy is the Lamb to take the to take the scroll and to break its seals and you know you were slain and you've redeemed people out of every nation by your blood so the elders the 24 elders in Revelation get to sing a song about the completeness the the fact that Jesus has come that he is worthy to open the seal this the scroll of prophecy and break the seals and and the fact that he has redeemed people with his blood. Uh, But you don't get that singing the Psalms, which are spoken in prophecy of things that were to come at that time. Uh, So why is it that the 24 elders get to sing about Jesus and what he has done and their status as being redeemed from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation? Then there's also a song That's recorded in Revelation 14 um, that says that uh, that the saints sung a song that no one, uh, they sang a song before the throne and before the beasts and the elders and no one could learn the song but the 144,000. So the 144,000 were singing this song uh, they were redeemed from the earth, and no one knew this song. So why is it that they get to sing a song that no one knew? You know, obviously that wasn't from the 150 songs. So the 144,000 sealed, you know, however you understand what those 144,000 are, why is it that they can sing a song? Uh, that no one knows but it's and it's authorized as praise to god and praise to the lamb and why is it that the 24 elders could sing the song about being worthy um (laughs) that the lamb is worthy (laughs) you know and there's nothing, you know, I know Isaiah chapter 53 mentions the Messiah being brought as a lamb to the slaughter, but the Psalms, you know, the they don't refer to the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So we can never sing about Jesus as the Lamb of God in church, but, you know, the elders in Revelation can sing that. So, yeah, I... I think i would like you know i very much respect uh exclusive psalmody as a you know an idea for how to understand the regulative principle of worship i respect it because i respect anything that's trying to be faithful to scripture and not go beyond because i agree that there are a lot of songs now that are sung in churches a lot of new songs you know even old songs that are that were written by Unitarians and so on Arians or Socinians or something like that uh, that some Christians even Trinitarians will sing and not know the background of those songs and then yes there's a the complaint about some of the you know touchy-feely Jesus is my boyfriend type songs and you know I'm w- with the exclusive psalmists on some of that I I would have have more respect for exclusive psalmody than churches that are like a big circus like a big uh, parade and you know the the bands are exalted and there's so much uh, personality cult and people aren't even focused on the words uh, of worship or you know checking whether the words are true and all they're just into the emotional hype and um, like a Christian band or worship team and church could possibly even get away with singing heresy or singing things that are very uh, absent of true doctrine and people just go wave their hands in the air and go yeah I'll just sing it I'm digging this beat I'm digging this melody and not really think like Athanasius of old wait is that true and of course you know that's, that's another interesting challenge you know if if the exclusive psalmody is uh, a correct understanding of the regulative principle of worship, then you'd think you'd see some of that in the early church. And, you know, Athanasius had an issue with Arius, who was writing songs and singing about there was a time when the sun was not, and he got a lot of influence because he was good at singing and songwriting. And Athanasius uh, wrote against the Arians. He complained about uh, Arius and his followers basically Prancing around to heresy uh, like a, a bunch of uh, doofuses, but he never said uh, that the problem was that they went beyond the the scriptural. Um, a recommendation or the, the principle of worship that would say you only sing from the Psalms and, and so he never criticized Arius because his songs were not the psalm set to music directly he criticized them for his heresy but not for violating exclusive psalmody and so those were just some uh, questions that I came up with uh, um, about exclusive psalmody and why I have some questions um, that I think, you know, could pose a little challenge to the position. But, you know, if you hold to exclusive psalmody, I am not trying to criticize you or, you know, be rough on, on that. I highly respect it, but it's just my views and opinions that it, it, it's, it's going a little too far. And so, uh, that's the end of this episode of Truth Espresso. And stay tuned for more episodes of Truth Espresso Express. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day.